The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a jam-packed show for you today. This is, of course, Jonathan Dunn from the Freedom's Disciple podcast. And this is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. You know, doing the prep for today's show was not what to talk about, it was what not to talk about. You know, to this world in 2018, you know, it's so easy to talk about anything because there is so much to talk about. Let me give you a, just a head snap or a snapshot into my head this week when I was researching for this show. This is the stuff I could have talked about. We're not going to talk about because we've got more important things to talk about. But I found a hashtag. Sex work is work. We could have talked about that this week. We could have talked about Paul Ryan leaving Congress. Sadly, don't get excited. Mitch McConnell... Um, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, John McCain and all are still there, but Paul Ryan is moving on to faraway fields, apparently. We have tyranny is growing in China, which we are going to talk about later on in the show. We found out this week Syria actually has chemical weapons, because apparently under Obama they all went and Russia said they went, but apparently we found out this week they still have them. Hmm. We will talk about that later on. We will could have talked about debts, you know, the, how debts are spiraling out of control all around the uh, all around the world, and how Rand Paul is introducing a budget, um, a bill, sorry, to balance the budget in five years, and we all know where that bill will go, absolutely nowhere. We could have talked about a wonderful school in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, who who saw the horrific events in Parkland and has taken the action to finally arm their teachers. Don't get excited. They're arming them with 16-inch baseball bats. Well done. Because apparently, and I, this is actually one of the quotes from the article, it is a last resort. Hmm. 16-inch baseball bats. So if you want to shoot up a school, hopefully you're not listening to this show, but if you want to do some bad things, don't go to Erie, Pennsylvania, because they might have a 16-inch baseball bat, and they might throw it at you, and it might hurt. It might give you a little owie on your arm. However, I want to talk to you about some real subjects today. I want to talk to you about, we're going to talk about foreign policy later on. I want to talk to you about both China and Syria. And I want to talk to you about America's role, our relationship with both of those countries. I want to give you a very troubling update on a couple of stories I shared with you last week. Um, Young Alfie Evans, there's a really heartbreaking update which I want to share with you, not to upset you, but to show you this is what's happening over here in Europe. You cannot let this happen in America. But I want to start today by actually doing something I never thought I'd do. I want to give kudos to someone for being honest. I want to give kudos to Michelle Obama. I don't want to remember the, the last eight years, but she said something this week which is kind of interesting. 
And it's interesting because if you follow progressive politicians, whether you're Republican or, or Democrat, if you follow progressive Republicans, they they will take they'll say things offhand, but it gives you such a glimpse into how they see the world. They give you a glimpse into their soul and actually how they see the world, how they see government, and how they see you as a person. And I think this is very, very important to to address. So Michelle Obama was at a women's leadership conference last week. And, of course, she was speaking about her husband and she was speaking about Hillary Clinton, who she called the, the most qualified presidential candidate of all time. And she said, you know, don't get discouraged that people like me and Oprah don't want to run for president. Don't, don't, don't get discouraged by that. That's not nothing to get discouraged about. But it's get discouraged that Hillary Clinton didn't win. But that's not what I want to talk to you about, because one of her clip. Here's what she said. I can't listen to this. So if you want to go listen to the audio, go look for this, the, the stories on the hill and many other outlets. And you can actually listen to her speak. But I don't want to inflict that pain on me. And I don't want to inflict that pain on you, especially if you're listening on a Saturday or a Sunday. You don't need to listen to this woman's voice. But let me tell you what she said. The Obama administration was like having the good parent at home. The responsible parent, the one who told you to eat your carrots and go to bed on time. And now, now we have the other parents. We thought it would feel fun. Maybe it feels fun for now because we can eat candy all day and stay up late and not follow the rules. What is so important about this quote is it shows who she is and who the progressives really are. You see, the idea of government at its very fundamental basics, whether you live in Ireland, whether you live in in England, whether you live in Europe, whether you live in Australia, whether you live in America, is they are public servants. They are servants of the people. That you even democracy talks about this, where, and you know how I feel about democracy. But democracy talks about this again. Well, what you do is you have all these people, and they'll put their name forward, and then they'll go serve you, and they'll go represent you in in a Congress or a Parliament or or a Knesset, wherever, you, whatever you know, body you have in your country. And they'll go represent you and they'll fight for you and, and the majority rules. And, and then if you don't like it, you can then vote them out and get someone else in power who will fight for you and go represent your values and, and go represent what you want happening in your country. That you have a voice. You see, that's the baloney. That's what they tell you because it all makes everyone sound, it sounds wonderful. It's a great media snippet and, and people will play this on the media all the time. And it makes everyone feel warm. Oh, I'm going to go vote for you and you're going to fight for me and I'll go vote for you and you're going to represent me and represent my views and my values. And you're there to make things better. Michelle Obama last week, and kudos to her for saying it. I don't know whether she meant to say this, but she told the truth. She actually told the truth, and actually, that public service and going to represent you is the biggest load of baloney. It's the biggest load of baloney going. Because what they see themselves is they see themselves as the moral arbiters of society. They see themselves as gods. They see themselves as somehow better than you, and they, they see themselves as, no, you don't know what's best for you. You've got to eat your carrots. They see themselves as that stern but fair parent. You know, because you're a child, we need to keep you in line. Because if we just let freedom reign and everyone, you know, let's, let's just use me as an example. If everyone just had the philosophy I had, where you just leave the people the hell alone, well then chaos would rule. You wouldn't be eating your carrots, you'd be staying up all night, you'd be eating candy, and where does that get you? Not that Donald Trump is the type of person to leave you the hell alone. He's not exactly libertarian. I'm not saying that's not a diss, by the way, to those people who like Donald Trump. It's just a fact. 
he is not libertarian. He is not, um, he's not Iron Rand, shall we say. But that's how they see you. They see you as the person who says, no, if, if you just left to your own devices, you'd obviously want to stay up late. And then what happens? You'd, you wouldn't want to eat your carrots. You'd want to eat candy. We must be there to be that firm arbiter of society. We, need, we know what's best for you. We're, we're super intelligent. We're better than you. We need to tell you how to live, what to do. And that's why we have rules and regulations. So kudos to Michelle Obama for actually being honest. She sees government, as do many Republicans, as do 99.99% of Democrats, see government as your parent, that moral arbiter of society, to right wrongs. But it was also another story which I want to tell you about, which shows the fundamental idea and underpinnings of progressivism. This doesn't come from America. This actually comes from in actually Glasgow, Scotland, which is part of the United Kingdom. What you're seeing right now is because progressive is winning, progressivism is winning, it's been advancing all over the world, tyranny is advancing, is that they're starting to hit some of their goals. They're starting to just reveal who they really are. You see, the idea of progressivism, and that's what it, this is what it, one of the reasons like it's called progressivism, is, is that if, if we said to you, okay, here's the utopia we want to live in, this is the final goal, well, Everyone would go, no, I don't want any part of that. Every The world has showed this. America has showed this. If if everyone in, 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 in D.C. and around the lobbies were given truth serum and actually sat down in front of like live television and they were forced to tell the utopia they want to live in, everyone would reject it. Sorry, I shouldn't say everyone. I'd say about 80% of America would just go, no, we don't want any of that. But you see, progressivism is the slow, silent march towards that utopia. And you never tell people what you really want. You never tell people you want single-payer healthcare. You just go, oh, we just want Obamacare. You can keep your doctor. If you if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And then all of a sudden, it becomes single-payer. Government is always the, uh, the solution. Government is always the solution. And you progress towards this utopia. When you progress towards utopia... The truth is, all you care about is utopia. You don't care about people. Even the people who you are the most ardent defender of, you will dump like that when it suits you. That's what happened in Scotland this week. So there's a free pride parade in Glasgow. And it's billing itself as a non-commercial, more open-minded and it's more, you know, it's the alternative to the traditional Glasgow LGBT uh, pride events, you know, it's you know, I'm sure you've seen these pride events, and um, you, you, they go around and they march in the street, and you have men as men, men as women, women as men, women as women, doing all this different stuff, wearing all this different gear. And they're like, they're like, we're here, we're to be accept us, accept us, love us, we're just who we are. However, this free pride committee has met and said we need to have a conversation about something that's very important. Who should we not let at a gay pride event? Or sorry, a free pride event. You see, what they've actually decided is that it would be offensive to transgender individuals and non-binary people within their ranks. They would be uncomfortable if a certain section of society turned up. That section section of society, you might think is, oh, you know, Christians like you, John, you wouldn't be welcome at that. 
Yeah, and I I know that. I got that memo a very 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 long time ago. No, no. The people will be conservatives. No, 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 no. That we got that they got that memo as well. No, the people who are uncomfortable would be those wearing drag. So what you'll see is and this is actually a quote to the to the independent newspaper. The needs of the most marginalized groups within our community come first. The needs of the most marginalized groups within our community come first. You see, what you have with utopia and with progressivism is, first of all, they actually don't care about people. They really don't. And I hate saying that, but for a lot of these progressives, and when I, just so I'm very clear about this, because I don't want to be taken out of context. When I say progressives don't care about people, the people on the ground do. If you're a progressive person and you're just part, you know, you believe in that ideology, I'm sure you care about people. The vast majority of people will care about people. When I'm saying progressives, I'm talking about the the overlords, the 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 the, the runners, the community organizers, the, the politicians, the lobbyists. They don't care about people. They see everything as we need to get to this destination. Now, how can we get there? And if it means exploiting or or using a certain group to get there, we'll do it. But if it also means, you know, while we were historically with this group, if it means casting that group aside after 5, 10, 20, 30 years to get to that progressive utopia, they will do that like that. They won't even blink. And even though you'll think, hey, whoa, we we were friends, we were allies. Not anymore. Sorry. You you know, your day has come and gone. This is what you're going to start seeing. Now, why did I share these two stories? First of all, to share what's going on. Second of all, to explain why utopia is so dangerous. Utopia is this vision that will never become reality. There are many reasons for this. One, the main reason utopia will never come, and why you will always have progressivism to to progressives, is because let's just point, let's just think of something of a paint a picture of a world that you want to exist in. If you're a progressive, so you'll have free healthcare, right? Single payer healthcare for everyone, and let's just say make it big around the world, right? You free education for all. You have the most progressive tax code in the world. You have every rule and regulation. You have global warming rules that are enforced by debt. Let's just paint the most most horrific utopia that they could imagine. The Communist Manifesto. The reason utopia will never exist is because if they set a line, this is where we want to go, this is utopia. Well then, and we get there, why do I need you? This is why you have progressivism. Because if you hit that certain point in time, well, I don't need politicians anymore. We've got there. We're in utopia. What do I need you for? We're, we're here. All we need is some guardian or, or some parent to just enforce the rules. But we, there's no fighting for you. We have utopia. That's why they will always, always push the boundaries. Because if they have utopia, there's no need for politicians. You, you, there's no, you need me to get, you need me to be your champion. You need me to be your fighter. How do you see government? Around the world right now, everyone sees government as tyranny. As their parents. As that bad parent who's saying, eat your carrots and go to bed early and be responsible. Is that government's job? We need to have honest conversations and we need to start having them with everyone. 
within our own ranks, within other people's ranks, and actually start having conversations based around principle. And when I say principles, I don't mean Republican principles or Democratic principles or Libertarian principles. I mean just about principles. How do we see government? Because right now, your government, and has been for the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you see government as your parents, or a growing number of people do. You see government as the, the moral arbiter of society, or at least a growing chunk of you do. You see government as the giver of your rights, not the protector of your rights, but the giver. If we don't start having these fundamental conversations, we are going to wake up one day and tyranny will be here for good. You will not recognize the world you live in. In many ways, I don't recognize the world we live in. You want to know how I don't recognize the world? You want to know the funniest story I heard this week? Honestly, I broke my heart laughing. I'll probably laugh when I say this out loud to you. Do you know John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House? John Boehner. He got a new job this week. He's he's joined the, the advisory board of a company. That company happens to make marijuana. I found that hilariously funny. I don't I don't understand the world we live in in 2018. John Boehner, if you know nothing about John Boehner, he was not exactly drug friendly. He was like, no, you can't even you can't even uh, have have injections or uh, needles. You know, you can't have that. You 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 can't. No, there's no reason for drugs. And then all of a sudden, someone put a big pile of cash in front of him, and in his quote, he even used this word: "I've evolved on the position." <laughs> I wonder how much that evolution cost. This is the world we live in in 2018. If we keep arguing about left versus right and Republican versus Democrat, we are just going to wake up one morning and not recognize the world we live in and we're going to turn to each other and go, what the hell happened? We need to have conversations about how we see government. Because if you see government as a parent, I got no problem with you. I just fundamentally disagree with you. Government is not my parent. I actually have a parent. It's my mother. I don't need another. I have a father who isn't with us anymore. Don't need another one. I don't elect politicians to go, hey, go be my parent. Go tell me what to do. I have that responsibility myself because I'm an adult. I have that duty and responsibility to say, I know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me. And the other story I shared about the gay pride parade is they will cast anyone aside. The ends justify the means to progressives. Do we want to be that? Do we just want to see people as objects? Or do we actually want to show people compassion? Do we want to be part of the game where everyone today seems to want to tell you to hate each other? Where they just see people as voters? Where you just see people as, well, if you vote the right way, I like you. If you don't vote the right way, you're my enemy. Do we actually want to have more substance to what we base our opinion on people on? Whether it's people we know or just people we engage with on social media or, or people we just meet in the street. The choices are ours. And it's not by words that will change this. Words are easy. Anyone can just say words. Well, I, of course I want, don't want government to be government to be my parent. And of course I want to treat people with respect. Words are easy. Anyone can say it. Heck, even Hitler could stand here and say that. It's your actions that you'll be defined by. When we come back, I want to talk to you about Facebook. Because Facebook was in the news a lot this week. You might have heard a couple of things. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. 
Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. Statistics show that it is more safe. You will save more lives when people have guns. Not less safe if you lose your right to defend yourself in significant and meaningful ways. The government will do what all governments always do, and that is steamroll over people. So that's our debate. That's our reason for standing up for the Second Amendment. The Glenn Beck Program. Freedom's Disciple On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So Facebook was in the news a lot this week. You might have heard. Mark Zuckerberg was on DC for two days. Or sorry, not on DC. In DC for two days. And he was on Capitol Hill. And he was testifying in front of our favorite people, our parents. And the reaction to it has been mixed at best. I want to have an honest conversation with you because... I'm really struggling to see conservatives' joy at this. I'm really struggling to see conservatives' joy. The amount of news stories I read this week and I saw on on, on publications I liked and people responding to them in, in such a good way that, you know, did you see Ted Cruz get Mark Zuckerberg? Did you see Ben Sass destroy Mark Zuckerberg? i got to be honest with you, when it comes to this, <laughs> I'm going to annoy a lot of conservatives and libertarians because I just have no idea why you're so happy about this. I get people don't like Facebook. So first of all, i got to be honest, you know, you're, this is really going to annoy you if you don't like Mark Zuckerberg, but I, I was watching some of the hearings this week and I was watching some of the, the senators grill him on privacy. And I, I got to be honest, as I was watching it, there was all I was going through my head was, you know what? I would cheer like the biggest fangirl of Mark Zuckerberg if if he just turned around and said right now something to the equate of, "You want to lecture me on privacy when you don't understand when you actually respect the Fourth Amendment and you don't have more technology and computer power than me, Google, and other Silicon Valley companies in Salt Lake City, then you can come and lecture me and ask me about privacy." But what frustrates me is there's more interest from mainstream America about what Facebook did and the privacy violations that they committed. If only we could harness one-tenth of that energy into actually understanding what is going on in D.C. and what this Congress, I'm not talking about prior Congresses, this Congress authorized a bill saying they can continue unwarranted surveys um, on you. Sorry, not on, on surveillance, not surveys. They can continue doing warrantless surve- surveillance on you. This Congress, this one, Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, approved that bill and voted that bill. If we could get one-tenth of the energy and the anger and the emotion that mainstream media and conservative press got at Mark Zuckerberg this week, because it seems to be, if you watch the mainstream media from places like the Blaze and the Daily Wire and CNN and ABC and Fox News. Everyone hated on Mark Zuckerberg this week. It was like, get your pound of flesh on Mark Zuckerberg. The Republicans were 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 angry and were liking him got been got by senators 
because, well, conservative media has been silenced and has been, you know, some people have gone on fair treatment on Facebook. And the left hated him because, well, he's just another person to blame for Hillary Clinton losing. Heaven forbid we actually blame Hillary Clinton for being a dreadful candidate, the most shocking candidate probably in history. No, no, we have to blame Mark Zuckerberg. So everyone was hating on him. So let's break this down, shall we? As I say, I find it very rich that senators who violate the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment of the Constitution, that they put their hand on a Bible or a Quran or they swear somehow to say they will preserve, defend and protect the Constitution of the United States. Donald Trump did the exact same thing, except he did it in front of millions of people on TV. Yet you are lecturing Facebook, a private company, who people can leave tomorrow if they decide to. You want to lecture Facebook on privacy? You want to have a look inward. You know, it's the scripture verse of, you know what, don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye, worry about the log in your own eye, has never been more apt than this week. But let's break it down, shall we? Because I know a lot of people are going, well, John, do you think the tre- Facebook treatment that people give is fair? Would you run Facebook different? Yeah, I probably would. And I'd run it a lot different than you would as well. But that's a different question. I don't have the money. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the brainchild that is Facebook. But let's break this down because I actually want to give you a different perspective of how I actually had, do have some sympathy for Facebook. So... One of my past volunteer jobs, and I've done it several times, is I've been an editor of sites. I was the managing editor for a company called Liberty Cannon Media. I was the editor and over everything, including the writing of a company called Lanterns Buzz Media for a period of time, and then someone else replaced me, and I went on to radio. One of the the most frustrating things and the hardest things to get when you're a managing editor and and a senior person in a site and a company is invariably you're going to hire people that don't share your views. And they're going to say stuff that you find disgusting and just like, oh my God. I've had these conversations at length. There are people who can verify I've had these conversations where I'm like, where's the line of where do you publish and where do you not? Because you don't want to be, you know, a as an editor, you kind of want to, your job as a managing editor is to, to take the work and fact check it. So you read stuff and kind of go, okay, that's a blatant lie. You don't, you can't say that. That's, that is a lie. That is not going on our site. But when it comes to opinion, you can look at a set of facts and you can, I've seen the most fact-based arguments and I'm like, how can you come to that conclusion? I've read the the stuff and I'm like, I, yeah, I got that, I got that. And then you see their conclusion and you're like, how did you come to that conclusion? You were on such a good path. It's all facts-based, it's all everything. And the worrying thing as a managing editor and someone who's in, you know part of a company is you want to publish their work, but you're afraid, especially in today's climate and the climate over the last three, four years, is that, so Joe Bloggs writes this article. Well, you're going to be tarnished in part because you published the article, if it's the most wrong article. I've seen articles saying we just need to vote GOP all the time, it doesn't matter what they do. And I'm like, as someone who talks about principles, how can I say that's okay? It's hard to find that line. And I'm saying this as as a person who has never edited liberal content. I'm saying this as someone who is 
I don't know what the hell I am, but I've I've edited, you know, libertarian, Republican, conservative work. So, quote-unquote, somewhat on the same side as I am. It's not easy. It's a very uncomfortable position to find yourself in. And when you press publish, you're always, especially about articles you're not sure of, you're like, oh, come on. Just, it'll be okay. Now, that's on the same side. If I ran a platform... And uh, when I was a managing editor, if someone came to me and go, I have this great article I want to write, John. Okay, what is it? I think abortion's wonderful. Everyone should have it. Do you think I'm going to publish that? Do you think I'm going to publish that? Let me answer to you. Not a chance in hell. Not a chance in hell. So I, in some ways, then you could say, well, John, you're, you believe in censorship. No, I believe in a public platform that we ran in different sites. And... We choose what we put out there. We're not been censorship, but we're like, that does not meet the values and ethics of our company. Facebook. Now, Facebook is doing this on all sides. Is it shutting down people? Absolutely. Now, I get people will say, well, John, they, they claim to be neutral. They claim to just be a body, and this is how they can get away. Okay, I got all that. I'm just giving you the human emotional side. If you don't like an argument, you have to accept it been out there. Like, think of you having a platform, and you saw a load of people sharing pro-abortion stuff. And let's go to the worst parts of abortion. I'm not just talking about, you know, 20-week abortions. I'm talking about partial birth abortion. Are you, are you saying you'd be okay with it as a pro-life, and you own the platform? I know it's easy to say, well, just, well, what about Mark Zuckerberg? Look, let's just focus on you for a second. How would you feel? Put yourself in Mark Zuckerberg's shoes, and just reverse the coin to that's more apt for you. Are you telling me you'd be okay with that? Are you telling me you'd be okay with that? Let me give you another example that might be a bit more closer to home. If you're a Christian and you own this platform and it's neutral and it's stuff, and you see all these people going, you know, which someone said this week, you know, Jesus was a, had drag sympathies or gay queer feelings and that's why he dressed in a robe and this was actually, I think, by a professor. And you see all this stuff going out there, and then you see pictures of of a gay Jesus, and Jesus is wearing the the the, the rainbow f- colors. And you own this platform, and you're like, "Are you going to be okay with it? Are you going to be okay with it? Are you going to be comfortable with it? What are you going to do about it?" I get they're neutral. Neutral sounds wonderful, but in practice, when it's on your side, it's always that bit harder. Here's where. The free market kicks in. I know people are very angry at me every time I talk about Facebook. Everyone goes, I can't believe you, you're defending Facebook. I'm not defending Facebook, by the way. I'm not defending Mark Zuckerberg. I know, don't know anything about Mark Zuckerberg. Bar what's in the public domain. I've don't, never met him. I've never had plans to meet him. I have no interest in Facebook as a company. But my simple answer in free market is, if you're so angry with it, Leave. If you're so, if you find what Facebook do so wrong, leave. Facebook is not a monopoly. It does not own the market of social media. If you find what Facebook does going, Facebook censorships me and, and Facebook shuts me down, well then leave and go to Twitter. Go to Snapchat. Go to Instagram. Go to Quorum. Heck, MySpace, I found out this week, MySpace is still available. 
it actually if you ever if you want a good laugh actually just, just go to myspace.com i went onto it it's like they they don't they don't realize it's 2018 the homepage looks like it's 2004 i i, I first of all i couldn't find i couldn't i found it amazing it still exists and then when i went to the homepage, it was like wow that, this is the page time forgot huh but go to other places or here let me speak to the free market let me speak to the capitalists out there create a new one this moaning and incessing whining about facebook oh, i used the word whining oh my god you could boycott me this incessive giving out about facebook i get that frustration I've seen, I know people who are dealing with the constant grind of Facebook limiting their reach. Even though people click that like button, there's that the struggling for reach. I get that. I see it from many different companies. Do I think it's fair? No. But does Facebook have that right? Sure, it's a private platform. But also, most importantly, you don't pay for Facebook. It would be a slightly different, it's a totally different kettle of fish. If, let's say... You pay like the Blaze does. You pay the Blaze. It's nine ninety nine a month. And you have a contract. And you sign up with the Blaze to get the Blaze TV. And you pay nine ninety nine, And it says, you now have unlimited access to our content. You've paid the nine ninety nine. You have a contract. There are terms and conditions in that contract. You are a paying subscriber. You have paid your hard-earned money. It would be different if you had to pay for Facebook. Because then you could turn around and go, I'm paying X amount of money. Let's just use the blazer man. $9.99 a month for this service. For this right. And these are the conditions you said. I said I'd pay $9.99 a month. And you said you'd give me A, B, and C. Well, now you're limiting A, B, and C. I'm not happy. I want a refund. Or I want to bring you to court. That is a different kettle of fish. But you are getting Facebook for free. You don't pay for anything. Now, here's where I want to talk about this week. So this week he's on Capitol Hill and everyone's cheering. Ted Cruz got him. Ben Sass got him. Is government our parent? I had many conversations with people publicly and privately about this week. Well, if you understood the issue, you'd see things differently. No, I wouldn't. There is nothing you can say to me to say, I'm glad uh, Mark Zuckerberg was on Capitol Hill this week. There is nothing you can say. Because what I, my answer is one of two things. If he's broken the law, sue him. If he hasn't, just leave him alone. And if let the free market decide. If people are so upset, they will leave Facebook. And then Facebook has a choice. They can see their numbers dwindle and kind of go, oh my God, our numbers are dwindling. All these conservatives are leaving our platform. What are we going to do? At that point, then Facebook has two choices. It can go, eh, screw them. We don't need them anyway. And become a liberal outlet. And then if that's the path it goes and it can make money... All power to you. Or they can go, wow, we actually need to do some serious self-reflection. We are going to change our rules and change our policy. You can change the policy. If if everyone who was angry at Facebook left, I would say Mark Zuckerberg would change his policies rather quickly. Except right now, all he sees is angry words, but no actions. Or maybe some actions some people have left. I am, do not like government getting involved in private business. I do not like government even appearing to have the power to influence private business, even if it is influencing it in a way that I like. The reason for this is simple. is because we can cheer right now. Let's say I don't like Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook. Let's just say I, I really dislike him. I don't like the way he's treated me. 
I don't like the way he's treated my page. I don't like the way he's treating fellow conservatives. And then you think it's okay for a Republican Congress to, you know, ask him to come testify and then to kind of make him feel bad and guilt him into acting a certain way. And we all think that's a great result. Well done. Well, the most powerful word in law is precedent. What precedent does that start? Well, then next time you could have liberals bringing people up in front of Congress and making, putting pressure on them to act a certain way. One of the things I always do, and I'll leave you with this point, one of the things I always do is my first test on how I feel something. If I see something and I'm like, oh my God, that's wrong, that's, that's wrong. You know, something needs to be done about that. And what I always do is I change the parties involved and make them the exact opposite and see do I feel the same way. So I'd ask you to do that. To those of you who are listening who are going, you know what, I really like Ted Cruz and, and Ben Sass taking it to, to Mark Zuckerberg this week. I really enjoyed that. Let me ask you a question. Turn the shoe on the other foot. Would you have enjoyed if it was Chuck Schumer and... I'm really bad at Democratic senators' names because I've totally lost interest in politics. Chuck, let's just say Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi... Uh, taking it to the owner of Chick-fil-A and, you know, saying, you know, you can't not open on a Sunday. You can't refuse people's service. You've got to open on a Sunday. And they were kind of putting pressure on Chick-fil-A to open on a Sunday. Would you be cheering that? Would you be thinking that was a great idea? I don't think you would. We need to have conversations based around what we see government as. Do we see it as a parent like Michelle Obama and progressives, or do we see it as the person who protects our rights? But also on top of that, what is government's job? What are government's remits? I go back to this all the time, and I know this. no one cares about this, in, or very few care about this in 2018, and no one cares about it in D.C. Your founders are very clear. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Read it sometime. I wish Congress would read it sometime. That is your job. You have 18 clauses of what you can do and what you can't do. Everything else is left to the states. Everything else is left to the states. This is violated on a daily basis by Republicans, by Democrats, by conservatives. What government do you want to live under? Do you want to live under a limited government? Or do you want government just to do what you want it to do? When we come back, I want to talk to you about foreign policy and what's going on in the world right now. Because we... This is another thing we need to have a serious conversation about. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. You know, one of the more frustrating topics I, I've spent my time talking about over the years and for 15 plus years with different people is foreign policy. Because in many ways, 
And let me justify this statement before you judge me on it. In many ways, American foreign policy has sucked for the longest time. You know, it sucks for many reasons. It sucks because you justify getting into bed with people who I I personally don't think you should have been getting into bed with. A prime example of this is your relationship with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is not an ally of America, yet everyone, whether you're Democrats or Republicans, seems to allude to it or come out in wholeheartedly support that it is. When I see how you have treated past bad people, like Mubarak in Egypt, he was a dictator. He just happened to be a dictator America liked. When I see how you treat the the Kurds in Iraq... These are some of the most American-loving, freedom-loving, honest-to-God people you'll find in the Middle East. And yet, I, I get why you don't. Because it would just cause a major conflict with Turkey and Syria and stuff. But these are people who you should be aligned with, in my opinion. When I see bills and policies of called the Democracy Project, and you're trying to spread democracy throughout Europe, and America is not a democracy, America should be trying to... Tr- share constitution republicanism not democracy I say this not to to knock or not to insult you but to to say we are now entering a period of time and in truth I think we're entering a prolonged period of time where foreign policy is going to be key how you act and how you don't act Inside of America, foreign policy is even a more frustrating topic for me. Because it seems to me that so many people buy into either side of the ideology. There is the the hawks, the neocons, the let's get involved in the world, whether that's more Republican in you know military force or whether it's more democratic through the United Nations, or there seems to be this growing team of isolation. And there seems to be no option C. That let's not have an ideology. Let's judge each case on its merits. I want to talk to you about two countries right now. Because how you act on both of these countries will define your future and the future of the world in many ways. I want to talk to you firstly about Syria. So it seems Barack Obama, John Kerry, Susan Rice... And plenty of other people from the past administration were talking out of their behinds when they said, you know what, Syria, now we've come to this great agreement with Russia, and Russia's so wonderful, and Russia's overseen Syria and, you know, taking, reducing their, their chemical weapons, and now they have none, and disposing of them. Seems they're all talking out of their behind, huh? Because last week, Syria, yet again, launched in a chemical attack on its own people, on a rebel stronghold outside Damascus. How do you respond? So let's take this bit by bit. First of all, what is the official policy on Syria? This is why, as a, as a non-American, it's very frustrating to me, because let's just focus on the GOP. It's always easy to focus on the Democrats. Let's focus on the GOP. Over the last eight years, the GOP, or the vast majority of the GOP, have been on both sides of the aisle in Syria. 
You've been pro-Assad and you've been pro-rebels. What's the actual position? The truth, in my eyes, from doing research on Syria, and this is an answer people don't like in foreign policy land, when I talk about foreign policy to people. They don't like this answer. Because it doesn't have a conclusion. The truth, the way I can see it, is there are no good guys in Syria. I look at Assad and I'm like, that guy is a brutal, brutal guy. Not a guy I want to be involved in. I look at the rebels and you see their links to ISIS and the Taliban. You look at the Syrian Kurds who are pretty much Leninist, Marxist revolutionaries. Who do you want to get in bed with? None of them. The reason this answer is not popular in foreign policy land is because people like answers. Well, you have to pick someone, John. No, I really don't. If there are no good actors, I am not going to go along the lines of this faulty thinking of, well, let's just go for the least worst or the best worst actor. We'll support them. Or the one that will cause us the least pain. Syria has major problems going on right now. And Syria, I don't have the answers. I wish I had a magic ball and go, well, you know, if here's John's plan on Syria and you want to solve Syria, this is what you do. I wish I had these. I don't. This is why it needs to be a conversation. We need to put down our political sides, our political parties, our, our little name, little letters beside our name and actually have conversations because people's lives are at risk. Syrians' people's lives are at risk. Russian people's lives are at risk. American lives are at risk. European lives are at risk. Who do you want to support in Syria? What do you want to do in Syria? Because right now, Syria is building up to be a proxy war for America and your Russia. And it only takes one stray missile or one stray bullet to ignite what is going on between Russia and America right now. This talk all week of, well, the and this is from Donald Trump through his Twitter through Theresa May meeting with her cabinet, everyone's saying we're going to strike Assad. Or we're going to strike Syria. What is that going to do exactly? Let's just play this out. First of all, before I play this out, what I'd ask you to do is press pause on this podcast, go to Google, and at Google some towns in Syria, and see the pictures. It is horrific. They are destroyed. The towns, the villages, the cities, they're in ashes, they're in ruins. Now after you see those pictures, let's just play this out. So Assad has gassed some of his own peoples in a rebel town outside Damascus. And the answer is, let's go bomb them. Per Syrian people who are just caught up in this conflict, what happens then? Now, am I opposed to bombing? No. But what is that going to achieve? Now, when you bear in mind that Russia has said, we're going to shoot down those missiles, well, what happens if you start lobbing missiles into Syria and, and Russia starts shooting them down? What you, what's next? Are you going to start aiming at Russia? Russia's on the ground in Syria right now. What happens if you lob one of those missiles, whether it's an American missile, whether it's an English missile, or whether it's another missile, and you kill Russian troops? Do you think Russia's just going to go, well, that sucks? Or do you think Russia's going to start aiming missiles at you? 
Theresa May has her, her navy in the Mediterranean. What happens tomorrow if you wake up? And this could be. If you wake up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden you've, you've woken up to the news that Theresa May or Donald Trump has lobbed a few missiles into Syria. And then it breaks that some Russian people were killed, some Russian troops. And then you see the news that night that the breaking news on the CNN ticker or the Fox News ticker is, well, Theresa May, the response to Theresa May lobbing some missiles in was her carrier is now down at the bottom of the ocean in the Mediterranean. These are the conversations we need to start having. Because what happens in Syria is going to have far-reaching consequences. Now, we can talk about Facebook and, oh, wasn't it great how Ted Cruz got him? And if you're a liberal, we can talk about Stormy frickin' Daniels some more. Or we can talk about real lives. What's really going to start happening? How our world can change overnight. Or we can all have a good laugh about how John Boehner's now, hey, we got to legalize marijuana. What are the important issues? I ask this because I want to ask the flip question of this. So there are people who are just, I've had many conversations privately about this this week. Some are just like, just let's just bomb them. I'm like, have you thought about the consequences which I've just laid out for you? There doesn't seem to be any thought of this. There doesn't even seem to be any discussion about this. And then there's this thing, well, the American military. John, the American military, you, you love the American military. You know the American military. You know their capabilities. We don't need to fear them. We don't need to fear Russia. There's this arrogance from some people, and it always baffles me. Look, if America gets into a war with any country, you can name them in this world. And it's a straight, flat-out war. America's going to win. Everyone knows this. Except, the thing is, we live in 2018. The days of the old-day war, where you would hide, hey, we're going to go to war, and let's just take the, let's take the teams out of it, let's take the countries out of it, where you have Army 1 are just going to go into this field and they're going to line up all their men and women and they're going to have their shields and they're going to have their bayonets and they're going to have their bows and arrows and they're going to have all these different artillery. And on the other side of the field, Team B lines up and then they go fight each other and there's a clear winner. That doesn't happen anymore. That isn't going to happen anymore. Those days are gone. If a war happens... What they will do is they will strike innocent people. They'll strike what they call strategic targets. So while if you lob in a few missiles into Syria and you, you hit a few Russian troops, they're not just going to hit you. They might hit your navy or they might hit your navy base in some place, in Germany, in the Gulf. Innocent people will die. But on the flip side of it, I've had people who are isolationists this week and just come, look, John, just leave it alone. It's not our job. That's Look, it might be sad what happened in Syria, or it is sad what happened in Syria, but we just need to leave the hell alone. It's not our business. Is that the route we want to go either? Where a person gasses his own people and has a chemical attack and we're just going to turn a blind eye? Now, I'm not a hawk. I'm not saying let's bomb them. But I'm saying we have to have a conversation where we are not just going cold at heart and going, well, that's not our country you know it's sad but we can't do anything is that just the answer we can stick to our to our hawk side and you know let's just bomb them and we can stick to our side of isolation but what solves that what solves the problems i'm not comfortable with either side and i truly believe with this side 
there's an opportunity. There is an opportunity for principles. There is an opportunity to have a conversation, to lay out the groundwork of a new path forward. I'll ask you another question before I move on to China. How important is the Constitution? How important is it that things are done constitutionally? Or is the Constitution just going to get in the way of lobbing a few missiles? One does not just lob a few missiles into Syria and then just go up on its business. Do you do this alone or do you do this with congressional approval? Do you make the case to the American people? What I believe needs to happen is the Constitution is critical at every juncture. And just because it's a Republican and a Republican head House and Senate does not negate the Constitution. I hope if sorry, I hope this situation can be solved without missiles. But if America and Donald Trump and the powers that be decide that you need to go into war in Syria, I hope it's done constitutionally. And with the approval of Congress. Now on to China. It's very uncomfortable watching Donald Trump, Republicans, Conservatives, placing so much power on the Chinese in negotiations with North Korea. Now, so far, they've done a great job. You know, North Korea is, is saying publicly it's, it's open to, you know, um, demilitarizing, which is a great welcome news. They're open to talks with South Korea. They're open to talks with, with Donald Trump. They're going to meet in a couple of months. This is all positive news. You know, of all the things Donald Trump has done well, North Korea is right there. He's been very firm. He's done a wonderful job. And I, I honestly think the MVP of this is General Mattis. The guy is, is playing a super, super job in defense. But there is this reliance on China. There's this reliance of China and playing such a big role. And I think it's important to understand the path that China is on right now. Don't be fooled by China. China is heading more and more towards tyranny. This idea that where China is this hybrid, you know, they used to always use this word. China is this hybrid of, you know, of, of democracy and socialism and communism. It's all mixed in, but it's all mangled made and, and we're okay with it. And I get people are like, oh, look, you know, the one China policy, yeah, I get it. It's not good, but we just look we're not gonna it's not a battle you know we're not gonna it's not a hill we're going to die on john okay but what is happening in china right now is it's going you know what the hybrid model you know what pretty much screw that we don't want to be that anymore we don't want to be open society anymore some of the things that are happening in china right now which you may may or may not know china recently changed its constitution to make its president president for life and while it's president for life, it sounds wonderful. What, what's wrong with presidents for life? Where I come from, it's, that's not called a president for life. That's called a dictator. Is dictatorship something we're okay with? Is a dictatorship something we're willing to put all our eggs in one basket in with a nuclear power or potential nuclear player in North Korea? What else is China doing? China is instituting five-year plans. Who was the last person to do a Chinese five-year plan? Hmm. Who loved five-year plans? Oh, Mao 
love five-year plans? Stalin love five-year plans? Did the five-year plan ever end well? Hmm, no. What else are they doing in China? Well, there's always the good news, because, you know, dictators are just so predictable in so many ways. Well, you know, we got to get rid of the Bible. You can have the Quran, but the Bible, no, we need to get rid of that. You can't have the Bible in, in China right now. But also, to make some something better, because, you know, this is just something Christians around the world should just go, hallelujah, about. They're going to rewrite the Bible in, in a Chinese fashion. Because that's what the Bible needs. The Bible is, you know, it needs to be rewritten. And it needs to be written by a dictator, because, you know, that's what Jesus was all about. Jesus was all about, you know, dictators and, you know, rewriting Bibles to suit our own agenda. You know, we'll have a pick or mix. Yeah, I like that and I don't like that. You know, thou shall not. They probably add 11 a commandment. Thou shall not question that the dictator. I wonder if they'll make the president of China Jesus' representative on earth. I wonder what they do that. This is what the path China is on. China is going back towards communism. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? And if you don't respond to it, are you willing to put all your eggs in the basket of China being the moral arbiter between America, South Korea, Japan, and North Korea? Or playing such a pivotal role? I'm not saying any of this to knock Donald Trump in case you think that's my illusion. It's not. All I'm bringing this up is to bring awareness so that you understand the, 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 the state of play right now in China because there are no good guys in China and when I say good guys I mean powerful people Chinese people are wonderful people they just have been forced to live under tyranny their whole lives to show you how much tyranny they have and how little hope some people have in China the internet is controlled it's not like you can go well I'm going to go onto the internet and I'm going to see what America does or I'm going to see how other nations live. The internet is controlled by the government. Google is controlled in China by the Chinese government. If you Google certain things in China, you get certain results. If you Google certain events in China, they think, hey, I want to go read about our Chinese history. You know, you want to Google about Mao. You don't get, you don't get the truth about Mao when you Google Mao in China, shall we say. You go, oh, oh, what a glorious leader he was. Isn't he just wonderful? He he was just awesome. It's a pity Mao couldn't come back. How are we going to deal with this world? Do we do nothing? Do we just bomb everyone who disagrees with us? Or do we start trying to find ways, out, thinking outside the box of what we can do? Because I know people don't like when I say this, but tyranny is growing around the world. How are we going to respond to it? Just put on our team jersey? Are we going to start having conversations? Because the more and more I see it's happening in America, it's happening in Ireland, it's happening in Europe. Every side just wants each other to hate each other. They want to fester that hate. They want to get that hate of, they're different to you. You have nothing in common. They're the enemy. Oh, well, you're straight and they're gay. You must hate them. They're gays. They're sinners. And then we tell the gays that, well, they just don't approve of you. They think they look down on you. You've got to hate them. 
and the whites have to hate the, the blacks and the blacks have to hate the whites. Everyone wants to hate each other. You're a Republican, I'm a Democrat, we gotta hate each other. I'm a Republican, you're a Libertarian, we gotta hate each other. Everyone wants to foster this hate, break everyone up, because they understand a divided house cannot stand. And then how we feel about others. Well, we just gotta hate the Chinese. We gotta hate the Syrian people. We gotta hate ISIS. Some of those hates are justified. But we need to start having conversations because if we don't, we are going to wake up one morning and we're going to look at our world. I don't recognize the world we live in in 2018. In a world where John Boehner is <laughs> is for legalizing marijuana, I, I don't understand it. But as crazy as the world we live in right here, right now, if we don't start having conversations with each other about real issues, we won't rec- our, the world we wake up in one morning will be a hell of a lot different. When we come back, I want to share an update and a couple of stories that I spoke to you about last week that are really troubling. Don't go anywhere, America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Speaking of San Francisco, did you see this kind of an aside? The median house price, one point six million dollars. Ugh, to one million six hundred thousand dollars is the median. You want to know the median home price in Dallas? Yeah, one hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars. Doesn't surprise me. And there's more freedom here. Pat Gray, weekdays from noon to three Eastern, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to share two updates from two stories I talked about last week. And this will happen to you if you don't start having conversations. You'll wake up in your country one day and you won't recognize your country. Because insanity will have taken over. So two stories, if you missed last week's podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and check it out. But one of them was the story of an old man who was living in his house with his wife and who woke up to two burglars. And he was pushed into the kitchen and a struggle ensued and the burglar is dead. The other burglar escaped and uh, the update was that then that basically the pensioner had been arrested and was charged with murder. Let's start with the one bit of good news I can say to you from this story and the only good news I'm going to share in this segment. And the common sense is one and the charges of murder have been dropped. And eventually, when it is safe to do so, the pensioner will return to his house. The reason I say when it's safe to do so is because the traveling community in Great Britain has put out a hit on this pensioner. And there are fears of reprisal. But another thing has started to happen. So if you can imagine a housing estate, imagine a row of houses. And this situation happened where this old man, has, old couple has been burgled and he kills one of the burglars. What do you think naturally happens? Well, what naturally happens, of course, is 
the person who died, the burglar, gets a load of floral tributes. Because apparently, you know, we need to recognize what a great guy he was, what a great father he was, what a great, decent human being he was. You know, the human being that's part of a family that's robbed old people of nearly half a million pounds, which is nearly a million dollars. That's someone we need to give a floral tribute to. Now, as you can imagine, the neighbors in this area weren't exactly, how should we say, thrilled with this decision. You know, of, hey, there's this person who's died, and they're putting up all these floral tributes. So what they decided to do was um, tear them down. They tore them down. And to the general amazement of anyone with any ounce, and I'm not talking a normal person, I'm just talking anybody who has like 1% brain cell in their head that has common sense there, the authorities and local community leaders then issued a request to the public to say, look, I get the um, I get the frustration, I get the sadness, I get the anger, but if there's further future floral tributes, leaving them, leave them alone. Don't touch them. Because, and I quote, any further removals would inflame the situation further. End quote. Now, as you can imagine, local sympathy, you know, around the houses is kind of low for this person. Because, as I said just a few minutes ago, he's this is a family who has robbed half a million pounds from older people. Who has also, very eloquently, and I can't use this word on the air because if I do, I'll get in trouble with my bosses and, and the FEC. He called them old C's. And in case you need clarification, the C... Is followed by three other letters. I'm sure you can, you know, find out what that word is. It's it's amazing. I can't use this word on air, but, you know, this guy can use it about old people, rob old people, get murdered in the attempt of robbing old people, and then still has the right to have floral displays in the said neighborhood. This is not, by the way, in case you're thinking, and I'm misrepresenting the story, in case you're kind of going, well, of course they want to, you know, you know, have tributes to them in their community, in the traveling community. That should be allowed. No, no, no. In the actual community where he was stabbed because he was robbing an older person. What I find amazing is, actually, I don't find this amazing because in 2018, this makes total sense. The outrage of the people not is not towards the burglar. It's not towards his family who have been involved in this. It's not towards the old man. It's towards who I quote, unquote, the local authorities have deemed vigilantes. A vigilante, according to the authority, is they've taken it upon themselves to remove these floral tributes. So basically, this is what the police are saying. The memory of the dead mugger, the burglar, who also, by the way, just to add and type in, in case I haven't painted a picture of how bad this guy is, he's also on the most wanted list in the area. You know, the most wanted, the most wanted, or you know, person to be arrested. He's on that list. That's how bad of a criminal he is. He's on their most wanted list. The memory of this person is more important to the police, to the local authorities, to those in power, than that of the community and what is it experienced. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Now, what also another update is that their fears 
of reprisal against the old man when he gets to go back to his home. This is why I spoke to you last week about the Second Amendment in America being so critical. If this person gets to go home, I'm sure, I don't know what the English police are going to do. I, I honestly don't know English police procedure. I would imagine he'll get some level of protection. And it might last a week or two. But, you know, criminals are, they kind of tend to have patience. Now, they might try something in, a, in the first week or two. But they might have patience. They might go, because it's all over the press. I can find this out. They can find this out. That, you know, I know he's going to get a week or two protection. We'll wait till the media report says he's get the, you know, protection is gone. Or we'll wait till the story dies down. Then we'll get him. You're leaving a 78-year-old man to be a victim. And if you follow, because this man lives in a, in a suburb of London, you've had, in case you haven't followed this update from the, all the attacks that are happening, the Lord Mayor of London put out on Twitter that there is no reason to carry a knife in London and that if you do, you will be, uh, the police will uh, enforce the law to the fullest extent against you. So if you want to protect yourself, because apparently, this is also another great line from the police in London, is only cowards carry knives. Now, I could go so many different places in that story of only cowards carry knives. So, if you're a young female who is living in London and it lives alone and is terrified of being burgled, murdered, raped, or stabbed, and you decide, you know what, I really am feared for my life, I'm going to carry a knife for protection, are you really going to tell me in the era of Me Too and feminism and every other part of life we live in in 2018 that she's a coward? Where I come from, that's called common sense. The second story I want to share an update on, and this will will annoy you even further, of how crazy England is going. And before I share this story, I want to be very crystal clear. I, I feel sorry for the British police. I feel sorry for the British police, the, the beat cop, the guy, the detective, because I don't know whether they know it, you'll never know, you know, unless you talk to them individually, but they're just doing their job. It's the laws that are horrific. And I, I'm guessing some of them must go, this is crazy that we're doing this. I don't want to make the police look bad. I'm a big defender of police. But they're putting in, they've been put in impossible situations and I don't know how they're dealing with it, quite honestly. So this is not anti-police. But this is the next story. I shared the story of young Alfie Evans. Again, on last week's show, if you missed it, check it out. It's everywhere, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Omni FM, wherever there's a major platform, you can get our show. Young Alfie Evans is a is a young kid who has a few health issues and it's not looking good. And people are saying that he hasn't got any treatment and there's court cases going on in England right now where they're saying, the doctors are saying we need to switch off his life support machine, which would ultimately end young Alfie's life. And obviously the parents are fighting for him to live they believe there's a chance they they have that hope well the update is the the pope credit to the pope the pope got involved tweeted out support saying he hoped that they'd find a way to to find a cure for this baby and life was precious kudos to the pope for tweeting that out well last night thursday night there was a standoff between young alfie evans parents at alder hay hospital and the medics, 
Because the father, just give me the, give you the full story here. The doctors want to turn young Alfie's life machine off. He has no quality of life. He has a right to die with dignity and all that crap that they come out with, all these legal terms. Well, the father isn't happy about this. And the father went to a Christian um, group of people, uh, lawyers, and they said, you know, if I want to take him out of hospital, do I have that law? Do I have that right? And they said, yeah, you do. So he went to discharge his son last night before his life support machine is turned off, which eventually he'll die because he had this idea. There was a jet waiting for him. He reorganized this. There's a jet waiting at Liverpool Airport for him, for him and his family. And they're going to take him to a Vatican-linked hospital in Rome. They're going to bring him there for diagnosis and hopefully possible treatment and hopefully then the possible cure for young Alfie Evans to live his life or to live more of his life. And to give him every chance. That makes sense, right? You have a kid. Imagine being told that if you do this, if you know the hospital wants to kill your baby, wants to turn off the life support machine, and you touch your own child. Imagine being told by a police officer you would be arrested for assault. He's my child. I have a right to discharge him. I have a right to bring him to get care. This hospital doesn't want to care for him. It wants to kill him. And the police officer says, if you touch him, you can be arrested for assault. This is the world we live in. Honestly, I got to be honest with you. As pro-police as I am, I don't think I would have handled a policeman telling me if I touched and tried to discharge my own baby, I could be arrested for assault. I don't think I would have dealt with that very well. Like, I'm, I'm, not t- I'm, I'm not stupid enough to say what I would do on air because that would be just dumb. And I actually do think I have some common sense, but I don't think I, I don't see me responding very well. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not like, oh, okay, oh, that's totally fine. I respect you. No, I think I would respond differently. To the credit of his parents, because I don't know how I'd res- I I know how I would respond. They went out, and there's a lot of people protesting because a lot of British people actually still appreciate life and the value for life. He actually went out and addressed them and said, "Sadly, he Alfie won't be going anywhere tonight, but there's always tomorrow." There's about six police officers around his bat- bedroom. Um, they've asked them to reduce it to two because of you know privacy. You know, some people still care about privacy. Uh, they said until they get you to stand down, they can't. Uh, I've told them, don't go into the room, respect my decisions, and that's what they've done. Because there was a lot of people, the police were using the people outside protesting, saying, hey, let this baby go. Let him try go get treatment in Rome because you won't treat him. You want to switch off his machine. They wouldn't reduce the amount of police officers. This is the update as of Friday morning of young Alfie Evans. I'm pleading with you today. It's time to have conversations. Let's put the part teams aside. Let's put the parties aside. Let's forget what you know. What letter is beside our names? Whether it's a D or an O or an I or an L, they're irrelevant. If we don't start having conversations, 
America, you will wake up like this one day. You will wake up like Britain. I'm not talking about some third world nation. I'm not talking about China. I'm not talking about Syria. I'm talking about Great Britain. You know, the great empire. The democracy. You know, the queen. The queen. The queen's great. queen's wonderful. I love the queen. I'm talking about the country that a good chunk of Americans love right now because they're all fascinated by the royal wedding. <gasps> prince Harry always is, is, I think it is. I don't care if it's not. The prince, the young prince, he's so charming. I love him. And he's marrying that Canadian actress and they're just so cute together. And oh my gosh, they're going to they're gonna have a royal wedding and then they're going to have royal babies and it's just going to be awesome. And it's going to be wonderful. And oh my God, I feel so happy for them. It's wonderful. Do you feel that? Did you get the sense of sarcasm there, by the way? This is the country we're talking about. This wonderful, great bastion of, of democracy. The queen, the royal wedding, the royal babies. This is the country that this is happening in. This is the second major story after Charlie Gard. Life, humanity, lost on Charlie Gard. I dare say us as Christians and people who, and Jews who actually believe in life and who had so tenants in our beliefs, we lost on Charlie Gard. We lost. Are we going to lose on Alfie Evans as well? I don't know how this is going to go, but the precedent has been set. But how many young people have to die before we wake up? Before we wake up and say life is precious. Life is worth every chance at survival. We must do everything in our power. Even if it's the most hopeless deed. Even if there's a 0.0000000001% chance of success. We must try and take it. We must do everything in our power to stand for life. Here you have England, which is not a dictatorship. Which is not, which is not an oligarchy which is not living under communist rule, but is living under democracy. It is a socialist, progressive utopia, but it is a democracy where you have the medics and the courts saying, no, he has a right to die with dignity. Where you have doctors saying, no, no, you take him, you do not have a right to discharge your son. We have a right to kill him. To switch his life machine support machines off. Here you have a system where the police say, if you dare touch your own son, if you dare try to discharge him, we will arrest you for assault. This just doesn't happen overnight. This just doesn't happen where we go, hey, we're in this normal world, and then boom, here we are. This happens over time. It progresses. It's baby steps, slowly, slowly, slowly. Keep it quiet, and then we'll get to the ultimate aim at the end. The choices are very simple, America, in the shows I've talked to you about today and over the last couple of weeks. We can continue on this path of where we just hate each other, where we just identify each other on our political boats, or we can cast all them aside 
follow American history. Follow what your forefathers did. Because all the anger that you have right now, and I know many of you have justified anger. I know there are many of you out there who are like, but John, the Democrats, I get it. John Obama, I get it. But have you got more anger than some of your forefathers? Some of your forefathers who put things aside. Are you really telling me you have faced more than Martin Luther King? Are you telling me you have faced more adversity, more hatred, more anger, more rights violations than Rosa Parks? Are you telling me that you have cannot dare look people in the eye more than the people who fought in your revolution? who knew that 33% of them were pro-union and 33% didn't give a damn, are you telling me that you have more anger than they did after they came home victorious? I get the frustration. I'm not saying any of what I say is going to be this easy. I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk. I'm not going to say it's, it's just like a Sunday afternoon drive, where it's, oh, it's a lovely day and it's wonderful and it's awesome. It is going to be very hard. But a We don't start having conversations, not based around Donald Trump, not based around Paul Ryan, not based around Republicans or Democrats, but about principles. If we don't start having those conversations, you will wake up America and you will be a utopia like Ireland, like England, like Europe. And if that doesn't terrify the crap out of you, then honestly, I don't know how to do my job. I'm trying the last couple of weeks to share stories that hopefully spark you. To put your sword down, put your shield down, and let's have conversations. Is it always going to work? No. But at least we have to try, have these conversations. Because what's the alternative? We just keep hating each other, keep insulting each other, until the end of time. Does that sound like a great existence where we just hate different people? Because they see things differently. Does that sound like an existence you want? I don't know about you, but I don't have it in me to hate people anymore. Or to play these divisive games. I never did. In many ways. But I sure as hell have lost my stomach for it recently. When I see these stories of young Alfie Evans. Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians or Socialists. just makes me just go, it's irrelevant. Let's focus on principles. Let's try have some common ground on principles. And let's start with, hey, about this. Life is precious. Life is a wonderful gift. How about we start trying to find common ground on that? I thank you for tuning in today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you like it, please share it with your friends. It's for free. Where I say we're on all major platforms on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, OmniFM. If it's a major platform, chances are we're on under Freedom's Disciple. Um, engage with me. Check out my site, Freedom's Disciple. I'm on Twitter, Freedom Disciple. To Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 I love hearing from you. Even when you tell me I suck. Even when you tell me how crap I am or how you disagree with me or how there's a, there's a problem with my logic. I love engaging with you. We may not agree. We may disagree a lot. But I love engaging with you. Until next week, we finish this show the way we do each and every week. By remembering that not all hope is lost. Remembering that there is a hope. 
remembering that there are some amazing people out there. In fact, they're heroes. They don't care about political parties. They don't care about ages or races or where you come from. But they're willing to put their bodies on the line 24-7 for each and every one of us. We salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. If America is to be remain great, Americans must remain good. That is the paraphrase of the Tocqueville. America is great because Americans are good. The day you cease been good is the day you cease been great. Until next week at Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless America. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.